Welcome to the Bold Speak Podcast. I'm Anthony Creedon. On this edition of the podcast, we're going to begin a new series entitled Defending Hope, taking a look at the vital role hope plays in the Christian life and the problem the church has in defending faith without it. And on the in or out, my guest Will Cannon and I will talk a little music, what we're listening to to keep us upbeat during the COVID exhaustion. That's a real thing. All that headed your way as we give them the bold speak. Welcome, everyone, to the Bold Speak podcast. Glad you can be with us as we kick off a new series uh, talking about hope. Uh, specifically, the series is called Defending Hope, uh, taking a look at how hope uh, plays a part in the Christian life and, and very specifically in relationship to apologetics, which is a very popular topic in Christianity today. I'm very blessed uh, to have the opportunity to be joined by a good friend, Will Cannon. Welcome, Will. Hey, thanks. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. Um, so before we kind of jump in here, I want to give the audience a chance to, to get to know you a little bit. Um, cool. So you you work in campus ministry. Tell me a little bit about uh, what you're doing and um, how long you've been doing it. Yeah. So I'm the current director, the chapter director of University Christian Outreach here at University of Michigan. We've got gotcha. a lot of students at Eastern Michigan University, uh, at Washtenaw Community College here in Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. been doing this been working as a full-time missionary for nine years now, um, and then I got to do a lot, see a lot of stuff with that, um, and I've just been the director gotcha. for the last four, four years now, uh, so it's okay. been a good, uh, or five years yeah. now, I guess. Yeah, I what's your... It, but. <laughs> Gonna lose track of time every once in a while. Yeah. It's easy to do in COVID, right? You're just kind of like, I, I really don't know what day it is from one <laughs> day to the next. Disappears. Anyway, right, right, right. Um, so, uh, tell me about the kind of the interaction with the students. So, uh, what do you guys kind of do with them? Yeah. So, our goal. I mean, we're a kind of a parachurch organization. We don't. We're we're not a church. We mm-hmm. belong to a lot of different churches. Our main goal is to bring college students into a life-giving, lifelong relationship with Jesus Christ. Gotcha. And to get, in some ways, get them back into churches on campus, uh, not just for their four years, but then to help them be a part of the church more broadly for the rest of their lives. Gotcha. Uh, so my, you know, connection with a lot of them is I, I'm a friend of a lot. I get to be a mentor to a lot of our leaders. Um, I get to be, you know, uh, someone who can follow up with and meet with students, you know, that, that other stu- students that we have in our outreach right. are meeting in their classrooms. Um, I do a lot of running events, working with teams of, stu- of student leaders more so now than, than kind of uh, other students on, on, in, in the chapter. Uh, and I help run our staff team. Uh, so you're pretty, you're a pretty busy guy. Uh, I stay in trouble most of the time. It helps me <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, stay, my, stay in the trouble. Yeah, my, my general sense is if you're doing student ministry right, you're, you're probably in trouble most of the time. So, um, it definitely keeps things interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and so, you know, again, I really appreciate you being on here, and I think, you know, for our audience, especially as we get into some of the things, you, you, you seem to be on the front lines of of kind of hearing and engaging with, with students and with the community. And, and so I'm assuming apologetics is, is probably a, a topic of conversation um, frequently, especially in a city like Ann Arbor. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
Is that has that been your experience? Yeah, and ap- apologetics is an interesting thing because uh, amongst Christians, they kind of it's like a mm-hmm. uh, it's pretty popular. It's like this. Uh, there's a bit of a fad of like I'm really into apologetics. Uh, and they you know they're right. like listening to a lot of speakers and reading books on apologetics. And uh, sure. early on, and this is something I've actually never really done much of. I've never you know read a lot of apologetics works. I've, you know, read some Lewis and stuff like that. But uh, personally, that was never something I, you know, really got excited about. Yeah. Um, And I remember talking with uh, some of our students and some of my, like, peers when I was a student in University Christian Outreach at at the University of Michigan. And I realized, man, people like to talk about apologetics a lot, but I don't know if it's actually what's needed Uh, oftentimes. Sure. Uh, And so... When we started talking about, you know, First Peter three and this uh, whole topic of making a defense for your faith, uh, I got really excited because it's something that has been close to my heart that we don't just want to be into apologetics just to prove ourselves right. We right. want to be into apologetics to actually love people, sure, and to to bring them into a relationship with Christ, not just you know catch them in that gotcha moment. <laughs> right, right. Uh, to make, exactly. make them feel dumb and make them exactly. feel like, you know, I'm really smart. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. I, you know, any, any communication, uh, you know, about Jesus and about our faith ultimately always has the goal of, of conversion or strengthening of faith. Um, and Hopefully. that relationship with Jesus and, and that, that can a lot of times get lost. And, you know, it, yeah. it's great that you bring that up because that, that really is kind of the focal point of this series when we're talking about defending hope. We're, we're taking a look at the nature of apologetics in, in specific regard to, I, I think, a verse that is used in support of apologetics many times, mm-hmm. but dare I say is maybe overused or, or maybe even misused um, in in that regard. So um, to give everybody sort of a, a context for this before we, we dive in too much further, uh, um, I'm going to go ahead and read. Uh, this is First Peter chapter three verses eight to seventeen uh, to give you a bit of a context, and, and this is the the section of scripture that we're really going to focus on uh, over these next uh, nine episodes um, to, to to really get a context for the the conversation here. So uh, this is the English Standard Version of the Bible. Again, First Peter chapter three verses eight to seventeen. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. 
All right, so that's First Peter three eight to seventeen, and that's that's what we're using here, and 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 that's going to be the focus of of these podcasts as we dive into this uh, verse by verse, section by section, and really pick apart what what Peter's trying to to get at. So, um, with that, uh, Will, my first question, and and uh, love to hear your thoughts on this. How would you describe the tenor of apologetics among Christians today? What what's your sense of of where they're at with apologetics? Yeah, I think that amongst Christians, when it comes to, you know, this idea of defending your faith or kind of giving, being ready to give an account for it, uh, we've really adopted a lot of the tenor or the, the tone of the world, which is sure. not uh, seeking just to understand and humbly communicate your ideas and your beliefs, but more uh, a, it what's marked our interaction in, in apologetics is uh, defensiveness. We want to sure. be able to like uh, catch people and trap them in, sure. you know, in, in their in their thinking. We want to be able just to communicate that they are wrong and we are right. Right, which is a, a bit and, of a, uh, a natural human reaction, isn't it? When you because I, I get the human. sense, yeah, you know, as the, as the world becomes more and more secularized, and, and the idea of God and, and Christianity um, starts to be attacked more and more, we kind of get on the defensive, right? And mm-hmm. and so. Mm-hmm we tend to approach it um, more combatively um, than as a means by which to kind of have a discussion that leads to um, quality conclusions and and conversions and things like that. Yeah. And also just leads to understanding. Right. I think oftentimes uh, when you, apologetics is kind of this one way street, Mm -hmm. whereas most of what we need is real conversations and conversations is a two way thing. Right. Uh, If if you want someone to understand your point, you have to, be ready to understand them. Uh, yeah. And that's a that's a tricky thing to have really mark apologetics. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm reminded there was a um a Christian concert series uh that happened in Washington DC and Los Angeles and and um there's a big like 3-day event um and I'd taken a, a group of students to this event and I remember at one point I was mm. about to walk into kind of the main stage area and there was a gentleman out there um holding up a sign that said that that students that were attending this concert were going to hell. And uh, that that struck me as sort of odd, and and I, I yeah, so I I was like, well, I don't really understand what what this is about. So I I I stood around a little bit. I had the students kind of go in, and and I stood around a little bit just to kind of listen to the context of the conversation. And mm-hmm. and what struck me was was not the the gentleman who had the sign up. Um, what struck me was the students who were trying to have a conversation with him, or at least it, it probably started as them trying to have a conversation. What it ended yeah. up with is is them sort of shouting in his face because there was so much defensiveness stirred up in them. Um, yeah. and, and I remember thinking to myself, uh, first of all, the, I, this is not constructive, right? I, I don't think any movement is going to be made one way or the other uh, by just shouting at them. But, I, you know, it also struck me that I just I, I felt bad for for the students whose emotions were so stirred up in this and so angry, yeah. Um, because they had they had lost something in that, um, and I just, I remember that striking me. And it, it sounds you know as you're sort of talking here, that's I'm reminded of something like that. Um, because mm-hmm. you know we get to a position where yeah you you want to seek understanding, you want to seek um, genuine relationship, but uh, sometimes many times apologetics just isn't approached with that goal in mind. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are, they, they feel like they have to defend out of fear because they're concerned that they have to right. 
prove God to be true. And if right. they don't, like all of a sudden God's not true. And right. It all luckily, rests we don't on have your to deal shoulders. With that. That's already done. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. Well, okay. So, so with that in mind, let's, let's talk a little bit about, you know, where it should be then, you know, how, how does, when we think about Christian apologetics and, and, you know, we, we read that verse um, from first Peter three and, and specifically it's verse 15 that I think most people key off yeah. on um, when it comes to apologetics, but it is striking. And, and really the whole focus of the series is that he says, always be ready to give a defense for the hope that is within you. Which is to say, what what you're really defending is is not you know the existence of God. You're not defending yes. Jesus' deity. You're not you know any of those things. What you're defending is that you have this, I, I would say, supernatural hope that lives within you that looks different from from the world, and and when people see that they're going to call you to question as to what what is this hope? What is this? Um, that I'm seeing within you. And so how does, how do you feel hope fits into Christian apologetics and just, just daily Christian living? <laughs> I know, I weedy mean, questions here on the Bold Speak that podcast. That is a big one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, oftentimes why people respond when they are in a position that they need to, to give a defense or a reason or an account for their sure. faith the reason they def- they respond out of fear oftentimes is they don't have a lot of hope. Right. They don't have a lot of trust that God's truth is absolutely and objectively true. Right. Uh, they think, oh, it's on me now. I need to actually prove my hope right yeah. now. I need to like prove my my intellectual understanding or something like that. Right. And so how do you know how do we live in hope? I would say like, <laughs> how does that fit into the Christian life? It it fits through this supernatural power of his Holy Spirit living inside of us sure. and giving us this fruit of his spirit, which is hope. And I don't, I don't think it exists in secular terms or in uh, simple uh, physical terms. We can't manufacture hope. Right. And I think oftentimes, sometimes we feel bad that if we don't have hope and we feel like we have to just try harder to be hopeful in a certain situation when the way where hope fits in a Christian life is we ask for it. Right. We, we recognize, man, I'm not hopeful in that this situation is going to change or that my life can change or sure. this person that I'm dealing with can change. Right. Lord, help me, help me in my hope, you know, give me faith where I don't have faith. Give me trust where I don't have trust. Yeah. Uh, you know, but we don't, if we don't ask, we don't, we're not going to get it. Uh, right. Right. No. And, and that's a great point. I, I want to touch back a little bit to something you just said. Um, you, you'd mentioned that you, you can't sort of manufacture hope and, and that that's a great point. I think, you know, we're going to be talking about, and in, in the second episode, we're going to talk about sort of the secular view of hope. Um, Charles Snyder's a, a, a researcher, did a lot of research, sort of the preeminent researcher on hope. And we'll, we'll dive into um, his view of hope. But, you know, when, when we think about not being able to manufacture hope, we're, we're making a distinction of, of Christian hope is is something unique. Yeah. Like it's, yes. you know, very spirit driven, spirit led. Um, talk to me more about that. You know, you're obviously you're again dealing with students on a regular basis. You're interacting with them. Um, are, are you seeing that kind of spiritual hopefulness? Um, as as being sort of a, a core tenet of Christianity, or is is hope sort of uh, spoken about or dealt with as sort of ancillary? Um, you know. Uh, yeah, it's a great question, and I'd say I see a lot of hope that's pretty small. 
Okay. And not that, I don't think that's bad. I think sure. any, any amount of hope is actually a great thing to sure. start with. Um, but like, what is, what is like the ultimate Christian hope? Well, it isn't actually that we're going to live good lives. It's right. not the yeah, pa- passage in Jeremiah that says like, you know, I have good plans for you and like, <laughs> right, plans for right, your right. prospering, which are, which is true sure. and which I would hope people hope in. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, but actually the fundamental Christian hope is that we're going to get to belong to the God of the universe in right. a loving relationship for eternity. Right. And that he's going to come again and rule in power and bring perfect justice right. uh, to reign in this, in this world. And so I see a lot of people that have small hope sure. in, you know, their lives going well, or they're going to do well on a test or something like right. that. Uh, but my greatest joy in the, what I get to do with my life is to actually help raise people's hope to something much, much bigger. Sure. And that's the work of the spirit. Right. I actually do very little of that, but I get to see God <laughs> give that kind of like robust, deep, lasting hope that comes from sure. his movement in people's lives. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I would agree. I, I think that's a lot of what I've seen as well. And it, it, it mm-hmm. makes me sort of reflect on how Christianity a- approaches hope and, and where hope sort of falls in the the regular Christian dialogue. Um, I, yeah. I don't think, or at least my sense is, I don't really feel like we talk about it enough or at least in any significant way um you know the the hope that as you pointed out very well is is in something greater it's it's you know it's john 16 33 in this world you will have trouble but be brave i've overcome mm-hmm. the world right so you're going to encounter lots of things throughout your life but there's a a confidence um in in the the, the future and the reality of what jesus has done and the reality of what the gospel is capable of doing that i i, I feel is sort of lacking and so I guess yep. you know in that sense do you, do you do you feel like Christians right now are sort of struggling with hope? Well, I mean, I don't know if it's just Christians but every I mean it's just uh, sure, you know, sure, sure. culture. I think you know one of the I think markers of postmodernism is just profound existential hopelessness. Sure. Uh, that's how we know we're in a very unique unique time is that that just marks everything about uh, how we see the world. We've stripped the world of hope that there's anything objectively true. Uh, we stripped the right. world of hope that anything can ever change. And I think, uh, right. So I, that has definitely seeped into to some Christians. I can't say all Christians are like that. Right. But it's sure. very much in the in in the water, and I think it's really marked. It can really mark our our lives. Yeah, I think that's. I think it's an excellent point. I think yeah the. Uh, the general sense, even just outside of Christianity, just looking at the world in general is an overall lack of, of hopefulness. Um, and I think a lot of obviously recent events, um, you know, dealing with COVID, the the state of American politics, um, the, Mm -hmm. you know, the realities of racism and sexism and, and things that we see in the world. I think all of those contribute to a, a general lack of hope. Um, you know, and, and, looking at some of the the i guess lifelong struggles of so many people in regard to certain issues when it's been so long and we haven't seen any substantial or significant change um i think we start to lose hope and and to believe yeah. that just things won't change uh, it's just not capable whereas i would argue i'd love to hear your thoughts on this i i would argue i think we haven't seen significant change 
because we haven't been really dealing with the, the hearts of the issue. We've been dealing with a lot of the externals um, rather than taking a look at things like, where is your hope? Um, yeah, how's yeah. your, how's your hope doing? Um, you know, where is your confidence in, in this finding change, you know? Um, and, and a lot of those kind of comes back to that, that confidence in the spirit, um, something that can't be manufactured by, by human yeah. means or methods, um, to say, I, you know, I, I can't change racism, but the gospel can. And I believe that. I can't change sexism, but the gospel can, and I believe that. Um, and and living a life that reflects that kind of gospel hopefulness, I do 100% believe that Jesus can change the world, and and the message of the gospel, and in the reality of the gospel being lived out, can genuinely change things. And and I think for most people to 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 look at that or to think about that um makes them come across as a little bit of a of a do-gooder um you know and, and that's yeah that's uh, and that's actually one of the episodes we're going to get into here is is something i'm calling huh. the do-gooder principle um which is I, I think hopeful people um are, are looked at as sort of naive um and uh, you know i think mm. there's some struggle with that as well um, you know, that, that, that when you're someone who believes that things can genuinely change the, the, the pessimistic world looks at that and goes, uh, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, how, how could you do that? Right. 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 Um, yeah. you're just, and, and it really is many times played off as like, you're just not a realist, right? You, you haven't been paying attention. Yeah. Um, but oftentimes so, these people aren't actually, when they see hope lived out, like, and hope isn't just something that we, right talk about and say it's actually something we live i think when we actually see hope lived out you can't say oh that's just naivety and write it off like i don't know forgiveness right. is a great example like if you forgive somebody that's you expressing hope that they can change right uh right and when someone does that there's real power in that declaration yes. of hope that no yes, one yes well said keep, i i i've never found someone that could actually ignore that and just write it right. off as Oh, you're just a do-gooder, but like, right. but that kind of living hope, hope that actually is shown in our action and how we go about treating people, right? Uh, there is real power there uh, in the Christian life. Absolutely, uh, very well said. Uh, yeah, you know, I think when we demonstrate that kind of gospel living and, and and doing more than just saying, you know, you're forgiven, but living in relationship mm. with somebody as if they are actually forgiven because they are, you know, that that <laughs> that changes things. You know, it's it's. Uh, there is a tremendous amount of power in what the gospel can genuinely accomplish among people. And, and I think that kind of gospel hopefulness, it's, it is a world changer. I genuinely believe that. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and like you've said, I, I, I've seen it happen. Um, I felt it in my own life, um, that when you treat people as if the gospel means something, as if it can genuinely do something, um, it, it means all the difference in the world. And it's startling to see the power yeah. of the gospel genuinely work in someone's life. Yeah, that's um, So, I mean, I, I guess that being said, um, that's, I think that's maybe the primary way, but, you know, solutions. How do, how do we start to make a move here um, within the church uh, and and then outside, externally outside of the church to to communicate that help? How do we help others how do we help people regain hope 
That's another big one. (laughs) (laughs) We're just getting them all out of the way on the first episode. We're just going to ask all the big questions. Will's going to deal with them all. The rest is just just fodder. The next uh, several episodes are just kind of building on what Will says. No. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, what do we what do we do? How do we start to approach this? Well, I mean, I think the one of the first ones is us making sure we we're finding the hope of Christ yeah. and the hope of the spirit in our, in our lives. And so if we're not willing to start with us personally, we can't just start going to, you know, our churches, or our congregations right. and be like, we lack hope in this congregation, <laughs> but, right, right. but we have to say, no, I lack hope. Yep. Lord, bring about a revival of hope in, in my life. Oh, that's, uh, that's great stuff. I, I a hundred percent agree. I, you know, it sounds cliche. It sounds kind of trite, but, but change starts start, with you. Yeah. Start right? with you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, it, it, but it's it's true. You know, you you have to be the change that you want to see, and so it starts. <laughs> you know, it starts there. Right? It's like let's let me find yeah. every cliche I can throw out there. Um, you've probably heard from every inspirational kitten poster ever. Um, yep. but but it's true. You know, it it, it yep. does. It starts with you. So I I think that, yeah, that's that's great. Starting with but, recognizing or assessing your own hope is 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 critical. And then, but then we, it can't stay there. And I think that's the, the trick is that right. we don't just say, okay, now I have the hope. And this is what I think Peter's getting at in this passage where he's saying, like, if this is going to mark your life, be ready to give an account for this. Right. Be ready to stand and give a defense for what this hope actually as actually is. Right. Uh, and so being able to talk to your friends and your coworkers right. and when they see you living in a hopeless situation with hope that something can change, uh, be ready to actually point to Christ for it. Right. Point to his, his power prevailing in certain situations rather than uh, a defeatist mentality that we right. can very easily fall into. Yeah. You know, the, the reality of the hope that is supernatural, um, because it comes by the spirit of God, it will look different than anything else that is out there. Yep. And so, you know, I think that's, that's what Peter's getting to a lot is, is to say, when you carry that kind of godly hope, um, people will notice it's, it's not a question of, you know, if they notice, be ready to give a defense, um, they will notice. And when they do question you on it, then you're ready to defend where that hope comes from and why you have hope. Um, And and that's really you know that's that's the heart of what Peter's getting at, and that's really the heart of of this whole series. You know, as we go on, uh, like I said, with the next eight episodes after this, so nine total, um, we're gonna we're gonna break all of that down, um, and and we're really gonna take a look at the kind of hope that we're called to, um, because you're right, it is supernatural. It does look very very different, and then why it is that that Peter's asking us to be ready to defend it. Um, there's a goal in mind. Right. And, and yep. it's, yeah. it's to make that hope contagious. Yep. And it's well said. Yeah. And, and so when that hope starts to become contagious, when we live that hope, they ask us about that hope, we communicate why we have that hope. And then they start to realize and to see that there is a reason to be hopeful and they gain hope. Then it starts to, to kind of spread because I think hopelessness spreads easier um maybe than than hopefulness does um simply because i I mean it's probably more natural yeah hopelessness is the natural state yeah i think (laughs) i think that sinful nature inside of us just kind of gravitates toward you know that kind of hopelessness um so it's you know i think uh definitely a a topic that needs to be 
um, dissected and, and explored a little bit further um, to help to regain the reality of hope here. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Well, uh, fantastic. Well, I, I really appreciate you you being a part of this, and I appreciate the conversation. And, and I'm actually gonna uh, we're gonna have Will back uh, for episode uh, three um, to to discuss things uh, a little bit further um, and uh, kind of continue to break down the idea of hope. So again, I I really appreciate you being on the show, um, and look forward to hearing from you again real soon. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too, Tony. Okay, so uh, to switch gears here, we're going to go into uh, our next segment and talk a little bit about music. Um, I'm sure all of us have experienced the the COVID weariness, the exhaustion of not being able to get out and interact with people the way we'd like to. And, and music, uh, as Will and I have talked, has a, a very powerful way to kind of keep us upbeat. And that's what we're going to be talking about on this edition of The In or Out. All right, young man, in or out? Okay, so on this episode of the Inner Out, uh, Will is here with me, and we're we're, we're talking something that we're into. And, and, and the question before us now is: is music that you're into at the moment? What, go, what are you man. into uh, right now, Will? I'm really into Jim Croce. It's something. It's a guy that I've you know Jim? I had listened to growing up, but really into him now. Sure, Jim Super Croce. Hip. Yeah. What, so give me lay, lay some tracks on us here. Like what 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 kind of songs or, or uh, albums or what what do you listen to? Well, I mean his greatest hits is like the the one that I have. But uh, oh okay, there's a track that is not on there that I think is one of his best ones. Is just Speedball Tucker. Have you heard this one? I don't think I have. I drive a broke down rig on Mayfair ties, forty foot of overload. A lot of people say that I'm crazy. Because I don't know how to take it slow. I got a broomstick on the throttle. I got to rope it up and he'll ride down. Non-stop back to Dallas. Popping them a West Coast turnarounds. And they call me Speedball, Speedball Tucker. They're all the highway and all them other truckers will tell you that the boy is mad. You be driving in a rig like It's a uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, I was listening to it on my drive down to Georgia for Thanksgiving, uh, from when I was visiting my family, okay. and uh, great road trip music, like really joyful, fun. Uh, sure, his, his lyrics are just like super witty and goofy. Gotcha. Um, so been really digging him. It's been a really kind of light uh, way to lighten my experience of the world uh, in these lighten the mood. in these sure, current sure. times. <laughs> Right, it's it's nice if you're gonna have a soundtrack to life to have something a little more upbeat, sure, yeah, <laughs> than uh, inspiring rather than uh, uh, depressing. You know, I, oh I guess I'm gosh. I'm not the angsty youth I once was, and uh, <laughs> it's it's nice to have something that uh, that eases the mind a bit. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, Jim Croce. Um, yeah, I'll have to I'll have to see. Maybe maybe I'll start to get into Jim Croce. Definitely. Uh, Listen to him a, a little bit, but not uh, not with any any frequency at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would say I would say for me, I've been lately very into cinematic music. Um, uh, not necessarily you know music from film scores and okay. things like that, but okay. the the genre of like cinematic rock. Um, you know, bands like Sleeping at Last, Chapters, The Light, The Heat. Wash over me, leave me far from my surround. 
take over me, over every rushing memory, if only for a moment, oh this could be my last chance, sail on with me, up here we know we're safe from the crashing wind. heart is breathing if only for a moment oh this could be my last chance and hold me in the grip of your arms far from where See the other side Show me where to go Oh, this could be my last chance Again, and maybe for the same reasons that you talked about with, with Jim Croce, it's a, it, there's a lot of inspiring moments in those. Um, yeah kind of uplifting uh moments um nice you know solid builds and and things um so it's it's really just a a nice kind of soundtrack to to have sitting behind you you know ideas of love and connection human connection uh, you know (laughs) things like that those are all Um, great so i've been yeah right so i've been (laughs) i've been really enjoying that so um, so, so, so there you go, folks. If you're looking for uh, some music to listen to, there something to, to, to be the soundtrack to your life, uh, maybe try some cinematic or uh, definitely get into some, some Jim Croce. Um, yeah. keep, you, keep you going. <laughs> <laughs> right? All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of The In or Out. That's all for this episode of the Bold Speak Podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Make sure you connect with us online at www.theboldspeak.com on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at forward slash the Bold Speak. Make sure you like, subscribe, and share to make sure you stay up to date on the latest from Bold Speak Ministries. Until next time, everyone, have a great one and keep on giving them the Bold Speak. Bold Speak.